Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Halo 7 podcast with your host, Dominic Lorenz. And even though the MLB lockout is still rearing its ugly head, we still have an opportunity to continue our offseason player featured series. Now, the first three episodes were dictated by infielders, Michael Stefanik, Braxton Martinez, and Kyron Paris. But today we have our first pitcher joining the show. He's 26 years old from No Valley, California, an alumnus of Cal State Northridge. And he was originally drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays, but in December of 2021, the Angels picked him up during the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. So it's my pleasure to welcome in Kenny Rosenberg here to the Halos Heaven podcast. Kenny, welcome to the show and welcome to the Angels family. How are we doing? Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's very exciting to be here, not just on the podcast, but yeah, definitely um, within the Angels organization. It's, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and you have some early history here with the Halos Heaven podcast. Back in December, we had a little live Twitter space going on, and somehow, someway, you found your way in and trying to do it secretly on Twitter, and then I got about seven or eight notifications saying, Kenny's on, Kenny's on, and it was good to have you on just for your kind of first, I guess, big interview. You know, this yeah. is your first big interview isn't <laughs> in the Angels organization, so thanks for doing that. Um, but as I mentioned here at the beginning of the podcast, the MLB lockout is happening. Today's February 3rd as we record and uh, spring training for the major league guys is in question. But for minor league guys like you, what is that process like? I know we were talking about it here before we started recording, but what's that process like for you right now during the lockout? Yeah, so being a, a non-roster player, firstly, um, I'm technically unaffected by, by the proceedings. Um, obviously, you know, and ultimately, I, I plan on being a major leaguer, so the the negotiations would affect me. Um, but you know, I have I have faith in the in the players' association and and the the hardworking people that are that are trying to get this uh, sorted out. But as far as like my day to day preparations and ultimately um, spring training and my season, it doesn't necessarily um, stop me from from proceeding with that. So um, I want it to end. Um, I would love to be in a major league spring training and get to know some of the, the players and staff that, you know, I'm not familiar with, you know, like you said, being with the Rays for the last few years um, and just start to build that rapport with, with the coaching staff and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I was looking forward to that. I still have hope that, that I'll get to do some of that again, being a non-roster player and, and technically being able to, to communicate with, with all of those guys. Um, but yeah, just kind of business as usual, getting ready for, for the season as, as I would. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is tough, especially for somebody coming from a different organization from the Rays on the East Coast, coming back to the West Coast and the lockout happens. And it seems like you are doing business as usual, but you can only do so much because you don't have the access maybe to the Angels organization as in depth as you want to. Um, now, looking at the MLB lockout in the sense of some of the key points that maybe not so much the service time and the deep money things that are going on, but some of the things that a lot of fans are talking about, I kind of want to get your opinion on some of these, especially as a pitcher. Sure. First one, universal DH. Now in the minors, have you had your chance to have an at bat and how do you feel about the universal DH? Yeah. So obviously coming from an American league organization, we never hit at the minor league level. Um, even when we would play like interleague, um, technically, I believe most organizations would not start their pitchers hitting until um, AAA. Um, and so I never really, I've never faced a pitcher. I've never been in the box as, as a pitcher. And, um, you know, as confident as, as I am in my hitting ability, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for um, a universal DH. Um, I, I think, I think it's something that would, 
help the game more than it would hurt it. Um, again, as much as I love the idea of pitchers hitting and, the, you know, as exciting as it is when you get like a Daniel Camarena moment where he, you know, he hits that grand slam for the Padres and um, things like that, that, that are fun for the game. I think, you know, call it 90 at bats out of a hundred, it's not going to be quite as exciting. So um, yeah, I, I don't think that's uh, too sticky of a point there. Yeah. Especially with the angels right now, you know, we have Shohei Otani and Noah Syndergaard comes in who has some prior experience batting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting to see every pitcher has a different perspective of, of the universal DH rule that's up in question. Uh, the second one that I want to get your take on, especially I think for pitchers, this is the big thing that they're talking about. Robotic umpires. We kind of know that it's already been discussed and it's already locked in to be happening at the AAA level in 2022. Did you ever think there'd be a day where you'd be pitching in the minors or maybe in the majors or at any level to a robotic ump? <laughs> yeah, they talked they talked about it a lot. I know they did some test runs in some independent leagues. You know, I think it was the Atlantic League that did it last year. And, um, you know, seeing the news that we would have it, at least in Salt Lake, I'm not exactly sure um, how, how it works, if it's every AAA affiliate or just certain ones that they're testing it at. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be net positive for me. I, I don't, you know, I don't love it. I, I do like the art of, you know, the catcher's job and framing and presenting pitches. And I, I do think, you know, the human element of having umpires is, is part of the game. Um, and, part, you know, you could argue that so is having national pitchers hit, but, um, I, you know, I'm kind of indifferent on it. I, I don't think it'll affect me in a huge way, but I do think there will be more pitches that would have been called balls that will end up being strikes than, than the other way. Yeah, absolutely. I feel again, just kind of like the universal DH, it's kind of a foreign concept that has started to happen. And each player in a sense has their own version and take on it. Um, the last thing I wanted to get to, and this kind of ties into your 2021 season a little bit, which we'll get to in a minute in 2021 minor league baseball, there was a lot of different rules across low, a high, a double, a triple, a, um, specifically there was the pitch clock, there was limited pickoff attempts. And even in triple a, there was the bigger bases that were used. Um, you were at double a Montgomery and triple a Durham in the Rays organization last year. Did either one of the double a AA or triple a new rules kind of affect how you pitched? And do you see those rules maybe moving forward into the upcoming seasons or even major league baseball? Yeah. Um, they started the pitch clock. I believe I was in high and 2018 was the first time I saw it. And I, I typically work pretty quickly, so it wasn't an issue for me. I didn't even really need to think about it. Um, sometimes in between innings, you know, if you don't get out there right away, um, you know, some guys are very particular about wanting to throw, you know, their eight pitches. Um, and if you're um, lackadaisical or, you know, just like not, you don't get out to the mound right away or they start the clock early, it's kind of ambiguous. You know, sometimes it's, you have two minutes, sometimes it's one and a half. Um, I'd say it was more of a factor in between innings. Um, the rest of the stuff I hardly noticed. Um, the bigger bases, I don't think we ever played at an affiliate that was testing that. So I never got to see it. Or maybe it was the first half of the season when I was um, on the IL that they were doing that. Um, but I never got to experience it. I like it as a concept. I mean, I think it's good for player safety. It doesn't really affect the game all that much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't really – it didn't – none of those rules – made a huge difference in what I was doing. Yeah. So, you know, with all of that in combination, you know, we're still 60 plus days in the lockout. And as you said, it doesn't really affect you right now as you're not on the 40 man roster quite yet, you know, always hopeful and you, you know, make that major league debut soon enough with the angels. Um, But it's a kind of really nice to get a pitcher's point of view, especially since here on the podcast, we've had three infielders Mm -hmm. so far. So you're, you're the Guinea pig on the pitcher on the pitching (laughs) market in that sense. Um, but looking now, uh, at your 2021 season in the Rays organization, you split time between double a Montgomery and triple a Durham, uh, four and one record, a 281 ERA in 18 games, um, a 228 opposing average and a 1.20 whip with 59 strikeouts and only 18 walks after missing the 2020 season due to the COVID pandemic. How did you feel coming off of the 2021 season? Just mentally, physically, um, in all sense of in your season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, it's important to note that um, 
I missed the first half of 2021. So it was even more difficult of a transition for me to make, um, you know, not getting to break camp and be on that opening day line when, when we finally resumed uh, those minor league games. And I certainly missed, um, you know, being out there with the guys for a few months, um, you know, but I, I trained in, in Florida in 2020 at Cressy Sports Performance and, and I got a lot better over 2020. So I was able to, you know, really make some strides um, physically and with my repertoire uh, to the point where I was really excited for 2021. Um, I didn't really think so much about needing to perform per se, but I knew that, you know, that second half of the season was my full season. Um, and, you know, when I was coming up, coming out of rehab, I made a few starts um, with the, the FCL team and was really pleased with, with my execution and how I was pitching and um, got to double A. Um, that kind of felt like part of my rehab assignment almost because I always expected to be in the starting rotation in Durham, you know, coming into 2021 based on my 2019 track record. Um, and so when I finally did get to Durham and they put me in the bullpen, that was another adjustment that I had to make. So I think it wouldn't have been as easy if I hadn't gotten the taste of big league camp, gotten settled in, um, and, you know, all the work that I'd put in over the prior, you know, 18 months, um, just created a lot of confidence for me that when I finally did get an opportunity to pitch in meaningful games that I was ready, um, not only physically, but mentally. And, um, I hit the ground running and, you know, some of my best pitching, um, that I've had in my career, uh, college, uh, professionally, otherwise, um, happened, you know, during, you know, August and September, um, down the stretch and, you know, playing with such a good group of guys that I had come up with a lot of them and known so well. And, and the coaching staff being with the Rays for five years that I, that I had a, a good rapport with and, um, it made the transition a lot easier. Um, and like I said, being in the bullpen, I had a lot of guys, as, as you may know, with the Rays, they shuttle a lot of guys up and down from the big leagues. And a lot of those guys had a lot of experience pitching, um, not only out of the bullpen, but in major league bullpens and just kind of picking certain guys' brains, you know, Sean Armstrong, Adam Conley, uh, you know, Brian Moran is another name. He'll be in Salt Lake City, uh, as far as I know. Um, to start the year and just like I said, picking their brains and trying to to hammer out uh, a routine for me, you know, again, being a starter my whole career. Um, and then finally, um, when I get to pitch this year, I'm, it's out of the bullpen. So it was an adjustment. Um, I was very pleased with with the way that I that I held up physically. I felt like if I had another month or two, like my last two outings were, were two of my best, uh, I think I would have continued to, to pitch at a high level. And I felt at that point that I could have helped the major league team in some way. And again, you know, I don't make those decisions and the, the Rays were obviously very competitive this year and a lot of really good arms. Um, but, but basically since 2019, I've been confident that I could pitch and contribute at the major league level. Yeah, absolutely. The num numbers don't lie. And, you know, tenacity and, and just kind of a mindset always factors into what you can do on the field and especially off the field when you're training and different things. Now, you mentioned you did have an injury at the beginning of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, what was that injury and how hard was it for you to be patient and rehab to get back out there, especially, as you said, after, yeah. tw after, 20, after missing 2020 and then you kind of get a taste of big league camp, you feel like you're ready to go then you get another speed bump in your way that you kind of have to get over again. Yeah. It's uh, that's what I meant when I said, you know, physically and mentally prepared because those injuries are just as much, if not more mental than physical challenges. And um, it was, I had a UCL sprain. Um, they call it like a grade one. So it's not, it's not like a, a surgical procedure in, in any, in any world, but um you know, rehabbing and again, having familiarity with the, the people that I was working with, the rehab coordinator, Joel Smith, who I had worked with when I had hip surgery in, in 2016 and my first season uh, and just knowing the staff and knowing um, having that familiarity was was huge. Um, trusting the people that are that are trying to get me back on the field and trusting that 
not only would my my elbow hold up, but that I would be able to perform at a high level once I did get that opportunity. Um, there were some there were some low days. I mean, being in Port Charlotte in you know May when all your teammates are out um, pitching and playing in games for the first time in in, in over a year, um, it it was difficult. You know, I'd be I'd be lying if I told you it was a breeze. Uh, it was it was probably the the hardest thing that I've had to do in a long time. And um, I do think it had a direct correlation to my, to my performance when I did get to the field because, I, you know, I was grateful for the opportunity and I was I was ready. Um, and yeah, I was I was up for the for the challenge. Ultimately, the epitome of the highs and lows in, in baseball, especially in minor league baseball, it's such a tough grind, 24, 7, 365 days a year to make that, you know, MLB dream come true. Totally. Um, in your arsenal of pitches, as you said, you were a starter, converted now to the bullpen. I know you got the fastball slider changeup, and I know you're starting to incorporate the curveball in as well. Mm-hmm. Does your arsenal, in a sense, the game plan of it change from going to a starter to a bullpen, or do you still utilize it the same um, either way you go, starter or reliever? It's a great question. Um, so I would say, like, your repertoire and your, your pitches and your usage is it's fluid. It's dynamic. It's always changing. And that's not just pitch to pitch or at bat to at bat. That's, you know, week to week and year to year. And one of the things that made me good in 2019 was my ability to throw my change up for strikes behind in the count. And, you know, you don't want to be behind the count, but when you're able to, to execute a pitch like that, and you have confidence in a secondary offering that you can throw for a strike um, when you need it. I think that was really like the, the start of me coming into my own. And um, I was much more fastball curveball dominant when I was in, in college in my first full season of pro ball. And yeah, as I've, as I've progressed, I've thrown more and more changeups, not just to righties. I throw them to lefties as well. It's, it's my best pitch and it's not close. And so when you're a starter, you have to kind of do this dance where you don't necessarily show everything you have first time through the order, second time through the order, but you still need to get these guys out. So you, you don't want to, you know, throw your worst pitches, but you also have to be meticulous about how you use them and in which situations, and you have to vary your sequences so that the second time you see them, you're not predictable and you're not falling into patterns um, and that's that kind of cat and mouse game that, that makes baseball so fun for me. Um, and being Absolutely. in the bullpen, you see a lot of guys in the bullpen who have two pitches, right? Fastball slider, or fastball curveball, whatever it is. You know, Devin Williams throws, throws a nasty changeup. And, you know, if you see let, – let's just take Devin Williams as an example. His best pitch is his changeup, and it's not close either, right? So as a reliever, he's going to face anywhere from, you know, three to – you know, seven or eight hitters in an outing. And if each one of those guys doesn't see at least two or three changeups, he's doing himself a disservice. Whereas if he had to face those guys two, three times a piece, you may have an at bat where you just throw all fastballs. And the next at bat, you might, might not see a single fastball, just depending on the situation and what the hitter is telling you. Um, so yeah, in the bullpen, it's definitely a different approach where you're, you're going to, and again, in these leverage situations, it's my best versus your best. I'm not going to shy away from a pitch just because you've seen it or just because you know it's coming. Um, you need to give yourself an opportunity to succeed with your best stuff. Absolutely. And is that something that you've taken personally, like you've sat down with yourself and said, this is what I'm doing, no doubt about it? Or was some of that information through the years in the Tampa Bay Rays organization, or even in college, or maybe even in high school, something that you got from a coach or fellow teammates, or where did that all culminate from? I mean, I think that part of it's dynamic as well. You know, you're the way that you sequence and the way that you pitch, and your ultimately your identity as a pitcher is always changing. It's always developing. Um, I had a great college coach, um, Greg Moore, when I was at Northridge, um, who preached. Um, the mental side of the game and really ingrained a lot of those um, habits that I've taken with me about, you know, essentially at, at its core is, is simplicity and conviction, right? You just have, you have a simple plan, you know what it is that you want to do, you know what it is that makes you good and what you do well, 
and you just uh, you throw those pitches with conviction to a spot and you rate your outings based on execution rather than um, you know results. So um, that that mindset has carried with me. I think that's one of the major things that's made me good is is my understanding of what um, I need to do and what how I need to execute in order to to get guys out consistently. Um, you know, some guys say that there's a difference between a, a 90 mile an hour fastball that's that's thrown with uncertainty and a 90 mile an hour fastball that's thrown with conviction. Um, it could be in the exact same spot, the exact same velocity, all the same analytics, but there's something about it when you throw it with confidence that can't be um, that can't be measured. Um, I think that's I think that's the main thing that is different for me now than it was two years ago. Um, just continuing to be more confident and, and throw, you know, like I said before, a pitch that even the hitter may know is coming, but if you throw it with conviction, you, you probably get the result that you want. And taking all of that from your history, again, high school, college, Tampa Bay Rays organization, and mental side, physical side, and December 8th, 2021, you find out on Twitter, allegedly, you can confirm yeah. nor deny, um, that you are now an angel. Rule, minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft happens, even though the lockout had begun about a week prior. And you get picked up eighth overall in the first round and you're coming back to the West coast where you pretty much, it all started. Yeah. What for you, your family, for your wife, for everybody, what was that like knowing that, hold on a second, Tampa Bay is now in the back pocket. I'm an angel. I got the red on and there's a whole new possibility to what my career can be now at this point. Yeah. It's surreal. Uh, and it, it, it's, you know, like I said, like it, the, the, when I, but we talk about the lockout, it hasn't really changed much. Like me being an angel hasn't really changed much. I still go <laughs> to the gym. I still do my throwing just as I would, um, you know? And so I think, I think the biggest thing, you know, I wasn't recruited out of high school. I was a walk on at Cal state Northridge. Um, I was never on scholarship while I was there. I kind of burst onto the scene with my, my redshirt sophomore season and, you know, that first validation was getting drafted. Um, and then, you know, in such a talented organization, you still kind of fly under the radar. And I was never on a top 30 prospect list, nothing like that. And so not that it's like this huge underdog story, but I've just never really been the focus of attention or I've never been this top prospect where everyone's like, you, like a can't miss guy. Um, and so it, it's made my job pretty easy actually i don't have any expectations uh there's nobody out there who's like you know i, I can never be qualified as a bus because i've already made it further than i was supposed to and um that makes my career and my my day-to-day -day work um just so much more valuable because um i understand what a unique opportunity it is especially now with a team that wants me and, and a, a fan base that is interested. And, you know, I did have some moments where, you know, like in the lockout and I was the only thing that was happening. It was just, it was me, right? And yeah. little is like, I'm on Twitter and I'm just, you know, having fun with the fans just because I can and because I enjoy it. And, you know, that was a unique experience for me. It was, it was very heartwarming um, to have people who don't know me, who, have never met me to say that they believe in me and that, you know, they want to see me succeed. And, um, you know, sometimes I talk about it with my wife all the time, you know, you just need like a little bit of fuel to pour to keep that fire still burning. And it's really hard over the course of a career, especially, you know, five, six minor league seasons um, to maintain that confidence and that, that level of um, trust in yourself and your work that everything you're doing is going to pay dividends and it, you're going to accomplish the goal that you set out to do when I was, you know, five years old. Uh, and I decided I wanted to be a baseball player. Um, so yeah, it's, it's surreal, you know, to, to be with this organization and to have an opportunity to, to really contribute. It's, it's surreal. Now when the day comes and the lockout is lifted and if, if there is time permitting for a major league camp um, and you're, and you get the call and you're able to join the guys or however the combination works, 
Currently right now as a pitcher, is there a, a current Angels pitcher, starter or bullpen that you would love to pick their brain and get advice from and just kind of soak in whatever knowledge they have? For sure. Is, yeah, who, who, would, who would it be right now? Yeah, so I'll start by saying when I was in camp with the Rays last year, uh, one of the things that I loved to do was just watch. I would just, when I was done with my work for the day, I would go out and be on the field. You know, if I wasn't pitching in a game or a live BP or anything, I would just watch these guys go about their work. And you just see how they do things and you see how they carry themselves and what kind of preparation goes into it. And that's how you learn how to be a big leaguer is by watching those guys and seeing how they prepare um, and seeing how they evaluate successes and failures, um, especially in spring training and, and preparing for a season. So, you know, guys like Rich Hill, Chris Archer, Michael Walker, um, Tyler Glass now that I was able to, you know, kind of just shadow and, and see how they go about their business and what makes them unique. And you just take little bits and pieces here and there and you see something that you're like, oh, I, you know, that's a good idea. Like I should do that when I'm warming up in the bullpen or like I see a guy doing like some sort of throwing drill or, or whatever it is. And you say, Hey, like, why do you do that? And they explain it to you. And these guys are just, they're normal guys. Um, and you know, they're, most of them are, are really nice and um, they want to help you. So, you know, a guy like Rich Hill, who's got a ton of big league experience and a ton of life experience. That's a crazy story. If you haven't heard it um, just to be able to have a conversation for five minutes with him and learn something was extremely valuable. Um, so as far as guys with the angels that I would like to do that with, I mean, obviously, um, you know, I would like to just see how Shohei goes about his business and how he manages both hitting and pitching. Um, I'd like to see um, how Mike Trout carries himself and how he approaches his work, not because I would necessarily use any of his tea work in my routine, but just because those guys show you what it's like to be a pro and they've, they've proven that, you know, what they do can create success for them. Um, another guy that I actually know personally is Noah Syndergaard. Uh, Noah and I were both in West Palm Beach um, in 2020 training at Cressy, as I mentioned before. And I actually got, he was coming back from his Tommy John surgery. So I actually got to see him quite a bit in the gym and talk to him and kind of just see how he went about his business and he's an extremely hard worker um you know he'd be in the gym when i got there and he would still be there when i left um and i've gotten to see him he's actually throwing at a facility out here in orange county now that i just uh, that i've been going to here and there and so i get to you know i get to see him up front you know front row seat to see you know what kind of things he's working on and how he's improving himself and getting ready for for a season um, and so, yeah, I do feel like, um, the main thing that I'm excited for, or would be excited for, for a major league spring training is to not only be able to watch those guys and, and just observe, but to also become more familiar, you know, like I know Noah, I would like to be able to know, um, the entire team and the coaching staff so that when I get there, if, and when I get there, it's not like, who's this guy? It's like, Hey, Kenny, what's up? Congratulations. Instead of needing to you know, familiarize myself with, with the organization. So that would be, that would be probably the main thing that I was looking forward to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, you're 26 years old. So even though you might not be utilizing Mike Trout's T work, as you said, 
I think you're still young enough. If you want to be the next Shohei Otani, feel free to, you know, hit a little bit, pitch a little bit. You never know. The Angels could always use multiple, you know, <laughs> two-way players on their squad. It's kind of what we're known for nowadays. Yeah. Um, but you spoke to a little bit ago about when lockout happened, you were the top story in baseball for, you know, for a couple of hours, you know, for a couple of hours on Twitter and Angels fans were excited to talk to you. If fans, if you don't follow Kenny Rosenberg on Twitter, I think you should, uh, which is yeah, K Rosenberg 22. He is a dynamic social media presence. And I can already tell before even having this conversation with you today, you don't take anything for granted and you like to have fun, but not take anything too seriously. Sure. So your social media presence is fun. What do you correlate with? Has that always been your personality of just kind of taking things as they come and just having fun? Because we really see that on social media. Yeah, I mean, I think I hit on it earlier. And, you know, you when you get things taken away from you that you love, like for me, not being able to pitch in 2020 and then in the first half of 2021, as far as my on-field presence, like I, I enjoy every single moment that I get to be in between those lines. I know it doesn't last forever. You know, I've loved playing baseball as long as I can imagine. It's been my favorite thing and the only thing that I ever wanted to do. Um, and, you know, as far as my personality and the way that I interact with fans and the way that I that I am on Twitter, um, per se, you know, I'm the same guy. I like to think at least that I'm the same guy here talking to you. And I'm the same guy if somebody were to run into me at a restaurant or on the street. Um, and again, you know, that that does correlate to on-field performance because if you if you get your teeth kicked in and I go one inning and give up seven runs or I go seven innings and give up one run, you know, you have to be the same guy in, in the clubhouse. You you know, everyone hates um <laughs> everyone hates a party pooper, you know, where you know you come in and you're hanging your head and you might have had a bad game, but the team wins, right? Or you pitch great, but the team loses. And you just have to stay. You can't get too high on the highs, too low on the lows. You just have to stay right in the middle and um, just continue to, to do the things that you know will, will pay off in the long run. And, you know, that's just, that's just how I approach life as well, you know, because any decision that I make on a daily basis, um, whether it's what I'm having for lunch or, um, you know, if my wife and I want to go for a walk or any of those things, you know, I just – especially during 2020 it reminded us that life is short and um, you know, our loved ones um, won't always be here. And um, it would just be a shame to go through life being negative or worrying about um, judgments from other people or things like that. Um, so I, I just try to stay focused on, on the things that I can control on um, the people in my life that I care about and um, my career. That's, that's pretty simple as that. The highs and lows of baseball is always a humanizing aspect to the game. A lot of people, fans, see ballplayers as this, I would say, one-dimensional character of what you see on the field is what you get 24-7. If they're amped up or if their head's down or however the, the situation may go on a game-to-game -game basis. And then once you peel back that initial layer and see the prep work that goes into it and everything that happens behind the scenes, it's a, it's a whole different body of work. Yeah. Um, in that sense on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, looking forward to 2022, um, disregarding the lockout, disregarding all the negative things that are going on in baseball right now, what is, I would say, besides making an MLB debut, what are your goals that you want to set for this upcoming season? Yeah, um, it's a difficult question because, again, you know, broadly my goal would be to win a world series right i mean i i love winning it's addicting you know like it's and it's not an ego thing it's just you we like you said you, we put in all this work and you want to see it pay off not just for you but for your teammates um and it starts in spring training and that's again why i was looking forward to have an opportunity to to be with the team in in spring training because i'd like to start and finish with that team um but for me personally, I think, I think my goals would revolve around getting incrementally better as the season goes on. So long-term goals, right? Like people like Shohei talked about wanting to be an MVP by 26. And, you know, those are great. And you need to have those broad goals, like making an MLB debut, pitching in the big leagues for 10 years, winning a World Series. You need to have those because it, 
adds fuel, like I said before, to the fire that allows you to execute the, the smaller goals, the day-to-day goals, showing up to the gym, getting your throwing in, working on a certain pitch. Um, and I think at its core for me, what's, what's the reason why I'm still playing and the reason why I plan to play for the next 15 years is because I just continue to get a little bit better every year. I try to get a little bit better every time I go out. Um, and so my, my goal for this year is to be better at the end and stronger at the end than at the beginning. I want to be pitching my best baseball in September and October, not in April. So um, again, you take these, these sizes of goals and you want to win a world series. How do I do that? I improve throughout the year and I contribute to the team in some way. How do I do that? It's the daily boring mundane you know, waking up, showing up to the park, getting your work in, no excuses, doing what needs to be done on that particular day, just being where your feet are and focusing on the task at hand and those small victories, you know, if you have the belief and, and the consistency will ultimately manifest those, those bigger goals, as you've seen with, with so many of these guys that we're talking about, you know, it's not just, I want to do this. And then they're at the top of the mountain already. You know, it's, it's a, it's a marathon. Exactly. You took the words right out of my mouth. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And you know, all the great ones, regardless of what sport you're playing, if it's baseball, football, basketball, all the greats, they want to get that 1% better. Not, I want to get 10% better. It's always that, just that small, small piece of something that really takes your game to another yeah. level and, and clearly here so far in this interview it's it, it's apparent that you have that mindset you know there is you're not tunnel visioned in the sense where it's you know all freely and this is fun it's baseball it's there's a goal in mind and we got to we got to get from point a to point b and there is a route to do it and we're going to do it the best way possible and i think that's what angel fans gravitate towards the most because we have players like that mike trout shohei otani and the whole list of players on the squad that are just like that so you fit in that mold perfectly and clearly the angels saw that in you and that's why you're wearing angel red and in the angels organization and and not with tampa bay and no knock to tampa bay uh, sure. that's yeah. just that's just it, it's it's how the game goes one day you're on one team one day you're on another and some days you could yeah. get traded to a team and not even play there because you're going to get traded in 20 minutes to another squad totally. you, ne- you never know how that can happen so in taking those 2022 goals and putting the whole piece to the puzzle, taking the angels out of it for a minute. Is there anything in regards to the Tampa Bay organization um, that you can, that you can say to them for your five, six years with them that really got you going in the right direction? Broadly, it takes a village. You know, it's, it's not just like the Rays have this secret sauce that they put on our chicken and the post game meals and they just produce pitchers, right? It's, it's from the top down, right? It's the front office, uh, the major league staff, um, the coaching staffs at every level, the managers, the pitching coaches, the athletic trainers, the strength coaches, the coordinators, um, the analytics team. Um, and there's a lot that goes into it that, that you know, the average fan doesn't see on a daily basis. And the Rays are so good about that. The, the, there's, not a, there's not a bad employee in the organization. Everyone you know, and, and if there is, they don't, they don't stay array for very long. Um, you know, a lot of times people say like, if you get traded or you leave the raise, like that's like a death sentence, right? Because they clearly see something that, that the other teams don't or whatever. And, you know, I, I do think there is some validity to, to that to an extent, right? Because they have such a good track record of making good trades and good signings. And um, I think for me, um, leaving the raise, they've left me with a wealth of knowledge about um, analytics mainly because they're very, you know, that's kind of like a hype word, right? Analytics, but more specifically knowing what makes you good and knowing what numbers that you need to see and percentages of what pitches I throw and, and what counts am I setting myself up for success? And, you know, what do the numbers say to throw, um, to this guy and how does that line up with my stuff and I think being with that organization for years and and learning 
something new every year and just gradually improving and having a better understanding of those things has put me in a really good position where when I go to these other organizations, you know, hopefully an angel for a long time, but out of my control, right? So if I am an angel, I feel like I understand this as well as the people who are coaching me. So we're on this even playing field where it's like, we can just have a human to human conversation and I understand what it is they're trying to get me to do. And it's not just about being coachable or, or knowing what, you know, induced vertical movement means, but you need to have an understanding and, and a certain skill in communication um, to be able to, to do that. So with all that, with the Tampa Bay Rays and the Angels organization, regardless if it's major league or AAA level in Salt Lake, you're ready to go. You are perfectly set for the climb that it takes to get to the major league level. So with all that in mind, let's have some fun. Rapid fire finale, a couple easy five or six questions. Get your personality. We know you have it on social media, so let's bring it here into the podcast. You ready? Yeah, let's get it. All right. So on December 31st, I believe on Twitter, you revealed that uh, you and your wife are expecting. Yes. Um, and I especially love the shirt that said, you know, she's eating for two and you're drinking for three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to have some comedy with it. So the first question for you is, um, I don't know if it's what you want or what you're predicting, baby boy or baby girl. So uh, I don't know if. I don't think we've said this anywhere publicly, but I guess there's no better time to do it than on the, uh, on the podcast. We uh, get an exclusive alert yeah. here, folks. So this might be cut and this is going to be, this is going to be it. So Kenny Rosenberg, what is the breaking news? We are having a boy. Oh, fantastic. Congratulations. Baby boy, baby Rosenberg. Now when, yeah. when is the uh, due date? So the due date is right smack dab in the middle of the season, July. <laughs> Um, my wife's birthday is July 4th. My birthday is July 9th and the unofficial due date is July 8th. So <laughs> it'd be a fun week. <laughs> oh my God. So wherever you are, if it's in Salt Lake or if it's with the angels, it, it's July is going to be here before you know it to, yep. you know, that's, that's first things first. July will be here fast. Yep. Um, number two, uh, get ready. So the first couple weeks of July are going to be fantastic in the Rosenberg household. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, a supplement question to baby boy or baby girl. Now that we know it's baby boy. Um, how are you feeling about being a dad? Yeah. It's, it's weird, man. Like I said it before about like being picked up by the angels and like, it doesn't really change anything, but like, with her being pregnant in the early stages, you know, now she's starting to have more, um, she's starting to show a little bit and things like that. Uh, but it didn't really change that much to begin with. It didn't really feel like I was like on my way to becoming a dad, but like it happens fast. I remember having the wedding countdown last year and like all of a sudden I'm here and I've been married for a few months and it's all behind us. And so I imagine it's going to go similarly fast. So super excited to be a dad i'm really mostly excited for my wife um you know she's always wanted to be a mom like that's like just her dream job is to be a mom like she's just always wanted a child she even had irrational fears of not being able to have kids and you know so i'm really happy for her that she's going to get an opportunity to do that um and you know i'm really excited to to just um you know be there for every moment absolutely as they always say happy wife happy life Exactly. And uh, as uh, you know, for, from from myself, from the Halo's Heaven family, you know, congratulations to you and your wife on the baby itself. Now that we know it's a boy um, and we're going to be on the clock that as soon as J uh, July 1st hits, it's a, uh, you know, July should just be renamed the Rosenberg month or something. You know, it's going <laughs> yeah. to be a wild ride, buddy. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're ready. We're buckling up. All right. Uh, question number two. Um, do you have any pregame rituals that you got to stick to each and every day? Yeah. So being a reliever, it's really hard to have pregame rituals because you don't know if you're going to pitch or not. Um, as a starter, I was a little bit more meticulous about, you know, the different things that, that make me feel good and that don't. I would say the main thing is like I have a very good routine for like my physical prep. Um, my throwing, my bullpen sequence is like I could I could recite it for you right now. Um, 
seriously, I, it's very, I'm very particular about, you know, what pitches I throw and, um, you know, what to prepare for a game. Uh, but when I was in college, I used to have salmon sushi every night, uh, the night before my starts. And then I would have a, a venti Starbucks iced coffee um, with a with a little ham breakfast sandwich. And that would be my fuel for, for my start. And I actually, I had to adjust that because I wasn't getting enough nutrients from the Starbucks breakfast sandwich. And I was having <laughs> coffee. So I actually had multiple times where I would get like heartburn out on the mound and I'd be like super jittery. And I was like, I had to tone it down to a grande and eat a little bit more uh, nutritious food before those, uh, before those intense outings. So I had to adjust, but yeah, uh, the, the salmon sushi was, was fun for a while. I love sushi. So I, I should use that as an excuse this year. (laughs) And that's your new excuse. So potentially you, at that time you had more coffee in your veins and blood. It sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. I was all hyped up on Mountain Dew for sure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hey, living the dream of a baseball life right there. (laughs) All right. Um, do you have any hidden talents that anybody walking past you may not know of? Hidden talents? Um, I mean, I feel like these are kind of boring, but I, I can tie a cherry stem into a knot in my mouth. My tongue, that's kind of like... <laughs> the quick, like the quick go-to, that's the first like thing. A, out of- <laughs> yeah, I hate for that to be the first thing out of my mouth. <laughs> Shoot, man, you make me sound boring. <laughs> I got Please. a fun fact. I got a fun fact. I used to use this in all my college icebreakers my, when I would go to a new class. You know, they say, hey, name, where you're from, fun fact. Yeah. Um, my, both sets of my grandparents, uh, may they rest in peace, um, on my father's side and my mother's side, my grandfathers were named Walter and my grandmothers were named Rosemary. And if you think about the odds of that happening, it's pretty wild. I was just about to say both sets, the yeah. same name, same spelling and everything. Yeah. Same everything. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So cherry, so cherry stem and identical names. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. I think yeah. that's, it may, okay, fine. We won't call it a hidden talent, but hidden facts about. I'm gonna think of it. I know I'm going <laughs> to hidden talent I have when I get off the phone here and I'm going to be yeah. I should have said that, but I, yeah, you're going to DM me and be like, can we redo this segment of the show and try this again? Um, if baseball was not a sport, was there any other sport growing up or right now that you would love to play professionally? Yeah, I was a soccer goalie in high school. We were, my team was nasty. We were, we won like the, the conference and the section. And, um, I was, you know, I was an all league goalie in, in high school. And I actually even considered playing uh, division three in college when that was my only opportunity. Um, and so with that, I don't think I'd want to be a pro soccer player. I get bored, you know, standing in goal for that whole time. But I've always kind of thought, like, I do have a couple years of eligibility left. Maybe I could go back and, like, kick for a football team. And, and like, that's very mental, too. It's similar to pitching in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like I'd be a good kicker. Yeah. Yeah, well. Hey, you see a lot of, again, we talked about this earlier, Otani, two-way athlete. Um, you could do it, two-sport athlete, you know. Yeah, J.R. Smith went back to college. He's playing He's playing he's, golf. He's playing golf, and he's got like a 4.0 GPA. He's rolling at this point. But, you know, for you, as we talked about before the show, you know, both of us similarly are San Francisco 49er fans. So I don't know if you could, you know, push Robbie Gold out of a job right now, but I actually, I actually do have a connection. My wife's best friend is um, engaged to the punter for the Niners, Wisnowski. So I could have Mitch, I could have Mitch put in a word to the special teams coach that whenever Robbie decides to hang him up to give me a tryout, but I think that's still, I think that's still a ways off. So yeah, Shan, hey, you never know. Shanahan might have something up in his pocket. So you have a, you know, 49ers. Give give Kenny Rosenberg a call if, if you know if you need him for a pinch <laughs> in during the off season October. Well, maybe if you're World Series, you know, November through January, the last, you know, six weeks of the season, Kenny's your kicker. <laughs> Just kicking. I don't have to practice. Don't have to practice. Kenny the kicker. See, we already got the hashtag rolling already. It's, it's easy. <laughs> All righty. Last but not least, these are, um, I asked this of everybody we interview, um, the island questions, three part, uh, three questions in one, and you're rolling your head as if you already know. I hate the island question. <laughs> 
Yes, this is what we this is what we live for here in Halo's Heaven. What is it? I need to bring three people. Is that what it is? Or little different variety. So let's see if it's been similar for you. Part one: Name me one food or meal you're bringing on the island to eat all day long. Oh, I I want to go sushi, but I feel like it's gonna go bad if I'm on an island. There there is no requirements. If it's sushi, it does not go bad. You have a refrigerator on the island? You can have a refrigerator if it's tropical or desert, however island you want it to be. Sushi, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Love sushi. All right. What movie are you bringing to the island? Ooh. Ooh. Step Brothers. It's just a classic. (laughs) Every time I watch it, I find a different quote that I love. Yep. Yep. Easy. And last but not least. Ooh, Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers. That's... Yeah, I, mm, I flip mm. a coin. Flip a coin. Okay, Wedding Crashers or Step Brothers. Either way, it's a great pick. You're good to go. Yeah. Um, since you are good on the movies, what about music? When you got to turn the music uh, movie off, what music are you bringing? Yeah, I, uh, I've kind of gone through like phases of like what music I listen to. I grew up listening to a lot of rap, being from the Bay Area, and then uh, I kind of gravitated like kind of went through a country phase when I was in college. I had a roommate from Texas and I started to like that a lot, but I think I always come back to um, like modern reggae, like, uh, like stick figure revolution, iration. Um, it's just really good energy. It makes, you know, feel good music. I would nice. say. All right. And last but not least for friendship, companionship, whatever it is, one person dead or alive, you're bringing on the Island. I mean, she's standing right here. I'll get in trouble if I don't say, there she is the mom to be is the answer kenny is he's getting good he's getting so many good points today you know not only does he you know get his get his wife on the podcast um we get the exclusive on baby boy rosenberg is going to be in the house in july it's all good so there's the island questions kenny you've completed your time here at the halo seven podcast how are you feeling I feel great. I feel great. Huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Absolutely. Getting some breaking news out today and just kind of getting a feel of who you are as a pitcher and really getting the Angel fans the ability to know who you are as a person and a pitcher. And, uh, you know, however it may go, if it's AAA, Major League, however it goes during the season, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, May health be on your side. And we're we're excited for the 2022 season to, to get kicked off and underway. And whenever you want to come back on the show, when that Major League debut happens, feel free to come back on the show. We'd love to keep talking with you, everything about baseball and even just the fun stuff that you do on social media. For sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on. This was fun. And uh, yeah, we'll have to do it again. Absolutely. Well, fans, that is Kenny Rosenberg, one of the newest angels in the organization. And until next time, that is the Halo 7 podcast.